You know, I'm going to give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. <laughs> Stop laughing. And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty ass jokes on my ass, too. Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable. Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Why You Laughing Today. Again, not back in our home, the Vaulted Podcast Studios, but coming to you over StreamYard. And today, I'm pleased to introduce you to Joan Rivers versus Johnny Carson, one of the uh, ugliest, coldest rivalries in comedy history, in my opinion. Uh, But first... I do want to remind you to go to uh, blindmike.net. That's where you can find this podcast, all the audio versions. If you'd like to support the show for free, you can leave a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify and uh, go to YouTube, subscribe there, uh, you know, give a, a thumbs up and a comment. Apparently all that helps the algorithm. And uh, if you'd like to support the show financially, you can also find a blindmike.net, our Patreon and our merch um, and, uh, on Patreon, if you sign up to the $10 tier and above, you get these episodes a week early. So, uh, if you're jonesing, if you just can't wait to get more, why are you laughing? Uh, make sure you go to blind blindmike.net and uh, sign up for the Patreon. Um, so I was looking to do an episode on just Joan Rivers and then I kept getting pulled into, I love, and I, we probably mentioned it in the, uh, Leno versus Letterman episode. But I'm fascinated by the Joan versus Johnny rivalry. Um, I think over the last few years, and by that I mean 10 or 20 since Johnny died, uh, it's a lot more talked about it. Joan's talked about it forever. Carson never really mentioned it while he was alive. Um, But now it's been written in books and and talked about a, a little bit more. But I still feel... Uh, I've, I, wa- I wanted to do an episode about it, so this might end up being uh, a little shorter than usual. Um, but I, it's something I was definitely fascinated by. So uh, if you're not aware, Joan Rivers, which, by the way, I would say there's like three or four. And this is what I wanted to get into with Katie Hannigan, and we never got there, I don't think. <laughs> but there's like three or four archetypes of a, a female comedian and they kind of all stem from, I would say, Joan Rivers, Sarah Silverman, and either, you know, Phyllis Diller or Roseanne, where every f- female comedian seems to be some variation of one of them. And I don't necessarily even blame females for that. I blame the business because that's kind of why Amy Schumer got so big is she fit a mold that they were looking for and they were comfortable with, you know, rocketing her to stardom. But uh, Joan Rivers is definitely one of those, you know, archetypes where it was females that wanted to be successful in comedy kind of copied Joan a lot because she was one of the first very successful females to do it. And even I throw Sarah Silverman in there, but you can definitely see a lot of influence uh, in Sarah Silverman from Joan Rivers. So if you want to talk coaching tree, you know, obviously when we say like influences, we bring up a lot, you know, Carlin Pryor, Eddie Murphy, uh, you know, those names, Seeker, Rickles and Rodney, those names seem to come up a lot on this show, Hedberg. Uh, but just name a female comedian, and I'm sure in some way they were influenced by uh, Joan Rivers. And she's also like, uh, in my opinion, one of the ballsiest females in that time. I think if you watch like The Marvelous, I know there's an actual show based on her. 
Um, but if you watch like the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it's definitely based on a Joan Rivers type where she came from a time where if, uh, females in comedy didn't talk the way that she did. Uh, you know, she would talk about her uh, miserable sex life and she would insult her, her body and her looks and be critical of that. And she'd also be critical of others and ball bust the way, uh, you know, like I know me and Craig are fans of like Tough Crowd and the guys from the Comedy Cellar. Joan Rivers would have fit right in that crew where she was a true ball buster in the way I feel like a lot of women were not at that time. Um, but she really got her start on the uh, on the Johnny Carson show, on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show, pretty early on when he took over. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Craig. Are you aware that like you cannot find Tonight Shows from the 1960s? Are they not on any of the streaming services? Because <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's hilarious that in uh, because I guess people just didn't have the foresight that you know we we try to now, but uh, the reason a lot of the early Tonight Shows are gone, I don't know if it's all of them from the '60s, but I know it's Johnny's first couple of years for sure are gone because NBC taped over them. Oh god, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Which is a hysterical. Like if they put that in a show about the Tonight Show, you'd be like, that didn't fucking happen, right? But. Sure enough, a lot of those uh, early Joan appearances um, are not available, unfortunately. But uh, Johnny gave her her start, and uh, at least as the story goes, he called her over to the couch, as he did so many. And she was like one of the first, if not the first person, where Johnny literally said, you're going to be a star. And that really made her, and she was was, extremely appreciative of it, obviously. But she kind of became one of the, the, uh, the very early crop of comedians where it's like, Oh, that's a tonight show comic. That's someone that came from the tonight show. And uh, you know, that kind of culminated in her guest hosting a lot, which Johnny had maybe the greatest schedule in entertainment history other than Howard Stern, I guess. But even I'll say this, Howard Stern does like when he does shows, does a three or four hour radio show. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny had to do like an hour towards the end and he was doing three nights a week, which is wild. So they had to have uh, regular fill in hosts so that the audience could get used to them. And one of those was Joan Rivers and she became very popular. Her ratings did very well. Um, she was on the Tonight show as a guest over a hundred times. So, you know, people were comfortable with her and she was like the only female voice in late night. And, it's funny because even now, like people, you know, talk about diversity and things like that. Joan was the only one at that time, and now there's none. So she, she wasn't exactly a trailblazer because, uh, like we said about Norman Lear, people just fucking pulled the brush back over right behind her. Um, so uh, Joan became regular host, which we'll get to in a second. There's a little controversy that goes along with that, but it kind of became known that she wanted all the, you know, Gary Shandling, uh, obviously Leno and Letterman, all those like young comics at the time that were hosting for Johnny, David Brenner. Um, they wanted to either take over for Johnny or get their own show. That's, that's just what happens, especially at that time. Um, so the first clip I have is just uh, Don Rickles to kind of drive home the fact that, people started to realize that Joan, you know, could go out her own on her own and maybe be a little more successful. So uh, let's hear for old Don, Joan was hosting an old uh, Donnie was her guest. 
You know what I mean? Johnny Carson's not here, and we both can be very honest. I think you can handle it better, as you told me. Uh, <laughs> hey, the woman came in my dressing room and said, Don, you and I are friends. Don't I handle this show much better? I said, absolutely. And dummy here went, I, 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 I just played a trumpet. Uh, and then McMahon's at home in his underwear going, <laughs> As a, a quick aside, my favorite part of that clip is that no one at that time had a problem acknowledging that Ed McMahon was just like a fall down drunk. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's tapes of Carson making fun of him where he's apparently drunk on air, which we'll have to play someday. <laughs> but but uh, that it's hilarious. I always wondered like if the audience at home was in on the like, if they just accepted that Ed McMahon's a fucking booze bag, or if they were like, "Oh, obviously Don's kidding," like there's no way Ed is that much of an alcoholic, but he has some uh, some great drinking stories, from what I understand. Definitely. Uh, the reason I threw in that clip is because, like I said, it kind of just shows how comfortable everyone was with Joan as host of the Tonight Show, and people kind of it's you know it started to become the chatter that uh, Joan was going to take over eventually. One thing that I didn't think was fair. It might have been Henry Bushkin, who I've, I've started to really hate as we've done a couple episodes um, around The Tonight Show because, uh, well, we'll get into it in a bit. But I think it was Henry Bushkin that was talking about NBC getting frustrated with Johnny for not telling them when he was going to retire. And the way I look at that is kind of like, fuck you. Like, Johnny's the greatest ever. He doesn't have to say oh, this is the date I'm retiring, because maybe he doesn't know yet. Like, why does he have to tell you? If you don't want to renew him, don't renew him. But if John, Johnny's, you know, built up enough credibility by the 80s that if he just wants to decide tomorrow that he's going to quit, and that's eventually what he did, where he just dropped the bomb on them, I'm retiring in a year. Um, but I never understood. It seems odd to be frustrated at that when you have the guy who's not just number one, but the only guy in late night, and you're kind of bitching, like, why won't he tell us when he's going to leave? <laughs> you know, I know I understand that you have to, it was probably difficult for them to have a stable of, you know, young uh, fill-ins like that. Like I said, at this time, it was Joan Rivers and Gary Shandling were the two uh, permanent fill-in hosts at that time. Um, and Gary Shandling, as we'll get into, uh, left to do his own show. So he wasn't uh, a fill-in host anymore. So I do, I can understand as these people got bigger, as, you know, Letterman gets his own show, uh, David Brenner tries his own show, uh, Freddie Prince shoots himself in the face, you start to lose people. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> so so uh, what's the next clip, Craig? Are we, are we already into her going to Fox? Yes, Joan goes to Fox. Yeah, so, um, well, I'll let Joan explain, and then we'll talk about it. She said, Johnny, it's Joan, and I think I'm leaving the show. I have my own show at Fox, and click. So then I called him back, and I said, Johnny, and he clicked down again. Would not hear me. Would not. And uh, it, was, it was terrible. And then lied and said I never called him. And then NBC got on the bandwagon because it's all money. Fox, their show is competing with him now. I was vilified in the press and I was told that I left the cars. I didn't, my contract was up and you guys haven't come to me. We've been asking for a year. 
So I wanted to play that because that's the, kind of the center of this whole rivalry. That's the story that the end of their friendship is based on, essentially. Uh, but if we can go back a couple steps, and you can kind of tell from context what Joan's talking about there. But basically, you know, her ratings... Jones said uh, often her ratings were higher than Johnny's. Now that might be because uh, it was a Monday night, which is, you know, maybe one of the bigger nights for late night as opposed to Friday. Um, so there, you know, and there are varying reasons as to why that happened. She's on less. So it might be more of a, an event when she's on, it could be guest based, who knows, but her ratings were good. And at the very least they didn't go down when Joan was on. So, she has a legitimate case to have her own show and uh, Fox comes calling, which it's the strangest to me. Cause when we talked about Lena Letterman, uh, Fox was kind of involved in all that as well. And Fox has never had a successful late night show. It's very weird. Like they were in the mix for Conan uh, that never materialized for whatever reason. Like it's all the talk that Fox is going to hire this big name late night host and they've never done it. And they've just kind of ridden off of uh, you know, Seinfeld reruns in that time and stuff like that. But uh, Fox is looking at Joan Rivers and this is the time where Fox is just launching as a network. Like Joan was going to be one of their flagship shows. Um, and basically NBC. So, the accusation Joan is kind of making uh, towards NBC is that it was a boys club and she didn't really get respect. And NBC kind of looked at her when they looked at, you know, Gary Shandling or Jerry Seinfeld or Leno. Uh, it's also very funny, by the way, another side note to hear, because uh, I went through a lot of these old interviews and the way they talk about Leno is like, you know, the fresh faced kid who's hip like we got to get him if we want to relate to the kids which is a hilarious way to think of leno if you've known him for the last 40 known his career for the last 30 years um but at one time he was like the hip new kid and so nbc looked at it as like we want to keep guys like shandling and leno and letterman happy joan i mean what's she gonna do what is some network gonna hire a woman (laughs) so they, they didn't take her seriously um and that's a time where I do legitimately believe the argument of a boys club. Whereas now I do think a lot of networks are more prone to specifically look for a woman, even if they're less qualified than the men Uh, back then, it wasn't the case where Joan could get great ratings, but they might not really take her seriously. So um, she accepted the deal with Fox. And basically the reason that that is, um, problematic because it's interesting as I did research for this episode I started to agree with Johnny more than I thought I would I, I've always thought like what an asshole but then as we go through here I, I understand Johnny's side of things a little more uh, than I ever did um, so that's the way the story goes the way Jones said it where she called him and said uh, you know I got this gig on Fox I'll be competing with you Johnny hung up and never spoke to her again um, however, there is some, you know, shadiness that goes into it where Joan didn't tell Johnny until she already took the deal. So she didn't go to him. He's, you know, kind of her mentor and, uh, her, you know, the reason she is as big as she is in the business, at least that's how Johnny probably looked at it. And she didn't go to him for guidance. She didn't go to him for his approval, his blessing, any of that. Uh, and said, so instead she just took it and Johnny obviously didn't like that. And Joan does make it out like, well, hey, I called him eventually. 
um, which I understand Joan's perspective. She's like, I don't want to blow the deal up with Fox. If I call Johnny, tell him that I'm thinking about taking this deal, NBC could come in and fuck the whole thing up somehow. So she was nervous, essentially, and that's why she didn't call Johnny. And I don't know that Joan ever really acknowledged that that part might have been her fault a little more than she gives it credit anyways. I think she acknowledged it to some extent, um, but I don't know that she ever fully understood, at least based on, you know, interviews and things. I don't know that she fully understood why Johnny was as angry as he was. And um, I mean, you, you decide as we go along. That's just the first step in all of this. Uh, what's the next clip? Uh, it's another Joan goes to Fox clip. Okay, so let's just hear her uh, give a little more of the details and all of that. We couldn't get an answer from NBC. They were renewing me, which they would totally renew me. They were in shock when I left. But they just weren't coming through, and the money sucked. They were paying me peon money. I mean, bad money. Not right, not right. Weren't doing well. Um, And Fox was starting the network. And they approached us, Ruben Murdoch and Barry Dillon. And they said, when your contract's up, we will give you everything that you have now, plus five-year guarantee and $15 million. When $15 million meant something, you know, which was a, I mean, just over-the-moon money. And so uh, we did it. And uh, it was horrible for me. And when the deal was going to be announced, the first one I called was Carson. And he hung up on me and never spoke to me again. So it's interesting because she says that that's the first person she called when the deal was done and doesn't quite understand. Like, Hey, that's the first person I called once the deal was done. I think that's the part she doesn't quite understand why Johnny was so mad. It's like, well, you waited until the deal was done. What if I said, no, you don't have my blessing. I don't want that to happen. And maybe I will go to bat for you because I don't want you to compete with me. I'll go to bat for you to get you more money. You know what I mean? That's what I think a lot of people don't realize is like may she obviously knows a hell of a lot more about Johnny than me. Maybe he wouldn't have helped her and she knew that, but I think people forget, you know, you get so nervous in those situations that you don't want to ruin anything and you forget like, Hey, Johnny's my friend to some extent which we'll get into. I don't know how close they were or were not. Um, but maybe he can maybe he can help me out in this situation and get me more money from NBC. But the fact of the matter is she wanted to leave. She didn't want Johnny's um, help with NBC. She may have wanted his blessing and said, go on. But it's got to, especially in 1983, it's got to be impossible to turn down $15 million to have your own show And just the prospect of going up against Carson, even if he is your mentor, the idea you're now his equal in a sense, uh, that's got to be very enticing. So I don't think she wanted Johnny's help and maybe Carson knew that. Maybe he was just a petty child, um, but it certainly rubbed him the wrong way, which I can, I can kind of understand the, uh, the further we go through this. Um, Another interesting note, is that uh, Joan mentions, it might even be in one of the clips that we have, but she kind of mentions as a quick like throwaway uh, that the reason she didn't go to Johnny before the deal was done 
is she knew that uh, when either Johnny or NBC found out that people were trying to go up against her, um, it, it blows up and it does not end well for those people. And she throws out David Brenner. So David Brenner also had a late night show at Fox. It didn't end well. The ratings were bad, but I couldn't find any specific controversy as far as Johnny getting it shut down uh, or anything like that. So if you know of that, uh, send blindmike.net. You can find where to send it to me. And the same with uh, she threw Cosby's name out there, which Cosby as a late night host. I don't know if I really see. No. I mean, he, a lot of his activity was late at night, but he, <laughs> he, I, he doesn't busy. strike me. Yeah. Maybe it's cause I know him so well from the sitcom. Maybe like I think of him in that world that, but I, I don't see him as being a great conversationalist. Like look at any interview with him. You know what I mean? He doesn't seem like a guy that's going to have fun banter. Well, he doesn't talk with people. He's usually talking at them. So that wouldn't really work. Yeah, and maybe that's just how we know because he, he Cosby was also a fill-in host. So maybe if we go back and watch some of the old footage, we'd be blown away by his performance. True. But I think that was probably the right call for the cause who uh, had one of the great sitcoms of all time. True. Um, all right, let's uh, keep going with the clips here. Uh, next one's called Their Relationship. Oh, yeah, so this, is, uh, this will tell us a little more. There's, uh, shall we say, mixed reviews on how true this is. Um, but let's hear Joan's perspective on what their relationship actually was. My relationship with Johnny was I adored him on air. He adored me on air. The lights would go down and he would play the drums. And I would say for the nine years I was on the show, the 10 years I was on the show, boy, the band sounds good tonight. That was our conversation. <laughs> and the lights would go up and he'd say, so what did your mother say to you? And i go, Johnny, I can only tell you this. Uh, we had no relationship. He was a very cold man. He wasn't a bad man. He was just a very cold man. So that is accurate to how pretty much everybody describes Johnny. He right. was not a, uh, not a pleasant sort. <laughs> he wasn't a warm, inviting guy. But I, I question that for a couple reasons. So it seems by all accounts... Joan seems to be a bit of an exaggerator. Uh, for example, she said that um, she made some claim that she uh, kissed, like she had a a, a lesbian kiss with uh, Barbara Streisand on stage in some play they did. And then if you look it up, they were never on stage at the same time. Their characters were never on stage at the same time. So it's a weird little like lie or twisting of the truth to throw in there. Um, so I say that to say that later uh, in one of jo in, uh, Joan's book, she wrote that her and Johnny uh, succumbed to temptation and had a night of passion, which completely conflicts with that story that we just heard her tell where they weren't particularly close off air um, or more didn't have any relationship off air. And there's also like, you know, the origin of her relationship with her husband, Edgar, who was pretty influential in her career. Uh, supposedly they met through Johnny. Edgar knew Johnny and he introduced her to Joan Rivers. So let, let's throw the sex thing out. Let's say that she was joking around or making it up or whatever. Let's say they never had sex. Um, at the very least, they must have been personal on some level if, you know, Johnny's introducing a friend for her to date. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Um, so I don't really, I don't know exactly what to believe there. I don't know how close they were off air. And if what Jones said later about them having, um, you know, extramarital relations, then, uh, which, which would be right to the both of them. Um, Joan acknowledged she cheated on her husband and they separated for a time. And Johnny was a real dog with the ladies from what I hear. Uh, so it would match both their personalities, but I think it would also, you know, add to why Johnny might be angry that they didn't talk beforehand. You know, like that would certainly be, Hey, we have some kind of relationship like this. Whereas I think when you hear Joan tell the story we just heard, that might be more her rationalizing why she didn't go to him uh, before the deal was made. But uh, we'll never know because they've both croaked, but it is interesting to know, because I think if you if you listen to enough of Joan's stuff, she was so entrenched in like celebrity culture and things like that that I don't even know if it's lying as much as she would throw shit out there as a joke or an exaggeration, and it would just become, you know, history. Like people would just say, "Oh, that, that must have happened." Um. Uh, all right, so let's hear another one. What do we got next? By default. Hmm. I don't remember what this is. So roll the dice. Let's hear it. How did she come to Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I do. I do. I apologize. Um, So this is basically how Joan got the job as the um, permanent Tonight Show host. So like I said, it was her and Gary Shandling. And then um, it became just Joan was like the the go-to lady after that. Now, let's listen to this and... You tell me when we're done if you think it's uh, sa- sounds like sour grapes after the fact, or uh, maybe this is more what the reality of why Joan was thought of as next in line for the Tonight Show. I'm a guest host on the Tonight Show. By default. Uh... Pause for a second again. I'm sorry. This is uh, I mentioned this in the Leno versus Letterman episode. This is uh, Peter Peter Lasalle long-time uh, executive producer for The Tonight Show, and he is very uh, slow-winded, mm. <laughs> long-winded. He is very, he takes his time with answers. So I always try to include as few clips of him as I can just because it takes so long to get to his goddamn point. So I apologize for all the pauses. Yeah, t- but this is, this is Peter LaSalle, so just bear with him. He has a lot of knowledge in that head. He takes his 15 and stretches it to 26, 27. <laughs> he certainly does. I had it down to uh, Joan Rivers and Gary Shandling were the two permanent guest hosts, and they split the number of shows between them. Gary, uh, who's very talented, uh, got it's Gary Shandling show, his own TV show, and decided that he couldn't do both. So it's interesting. And this is why I think history in general is interesting. Because um, very often you'll hear direct quotes from a time where there were no recording devices or anything like that. Um, or it was very limited. Or even just talking to people you'll hear you know he said this verbatim and there's not a recording of it it wasn't written down or anything we're just going off of people's memory and so this is the thing i think is fascinating about memory and people's um 
um, people's slants on things. Uh, if you listen to an interview that I think we'll play a piece of later with uh, Joan Rivers and Henry Bushkin, who I mentioned earlier, uh, they'll tell you Peter LaSalle is a fucking moron. <laughs> he had nothing to do with anything at the Tonight Show. It was all uh, Freddie de Cordova, and Peter LaSalle just said what he had to say to keep his job, basically. Uh, now, other people will tell you that Peter LaSalle is a genius to the point where. Uh, David Letterman would only go do his CBS show with Peter LaSalle as executive producer. Um, I would imagine the truth lies somewhere in the middle, but my point is that it's impossible to know because we're going off people's opinion. And I think you hear a lot of Peter LaSalle's opinion there where he didn't really like Joan necessarily Joan wouldn't have been her choice but was Peter LaSalle the one guy deciding that I don't know um so I don't think it's fair for him to say uh Joan got the job by default because that would imply there were only two Americans that could possibly have hosted the Tonight Show when Johnny wasn't in and well by the list I've already given you we know that's not the case so obviously there was something to Joan like it's really that's uh, I think that gives credence to Jones boy club argument. When you hear Peter LaSalle say like, nah, well, I have, I had no choice. We had to put her in there. So yeah, I think there were a few comics working that would have taken that job. If you really thought Joan sucked that much. So I don't think that's a fair assessment by Peter LaSalle. Um, but he was in the trenches. He knew why those decisions were being made. So there's definitely something to that. I think. And um, what's the next clip titled? Because I think uh, Jones we, material. Yeah. So we dive a little more into that. Um, Peter LaSalle talks about why he felt he, he was kind of forced to put Joan in there, but wouldn't have necessarily uh, chosen her if he had his druthers. I told her that if she was to become the only guest host, she had to try and change her her material. I was sick and tired of all the same sex jokes. Uh, and she said she would do that. She could do that. Because Jones Bay's intelligent woman, it's just her, her material is the lower uh, level than, than I would have liked. Uh, so. I said the Uh, only way that I I would give her the whole thing was if she would raise the level of of the comedy she was doing. Well, she never did. I got LaSallied. I thought he was done and I started talking and he was back. (laughs) It's a good phrase, (laughs) LaSallied. Just any any long-winded, get to the point, Peter. We got her. (laughs) You didn't like, you didn't think she was funny. We understand. Um, so basically what he's talking about there. And you know what? I have to say, I found it to be true as I was going through a lot of Jones tonight show sets. She was a little one note. Now you could argue Don Rickles is a little one note as well. And he would fill in on the tonight show a lot. Um, I've never heard Rickles, um, linked to actually taking over the tonight show. Like I said, he would fill in a lot. He was a very frequent guest, but I don't know that they had ever had talks of like, will Rickles take over for Carson? Cause I think they were probably trying to go a little younger also. 
Um, but I'd be interested to hear Peter LaSalle talk about someone like Rickles hosting the tonight show versus someone like Joan. Cause again, we talk about the, the idea that Joan kind of had a target on her back because she was a woman. I think there's something to that when you hear LaSalle talk about her material versus maybe some other people um, that hosted the tonight show. But to be fair to old Petey, um, like I said, as I went through uh, a lot of her tonight show clips, it was a lot of, I'm not getting laid type of stuff. Um, you know, my husband doesn't even want to look at me. I'm getting old. I'm ugly. That sort of thing. Uh, it was a lot of attacks on her appearance and her sex life. So I can understand looking at that and saying, well, we do a lot of, you know, political jokes and topical jokes about the news. We have to have segments, you know, five nights a week. We're going to have authors and musicians on the show. Is it all going to be, you know, sex jokes or can she kind of step out of that mold? Now, my argument to both sides, and I think this was proven later, would be that Joan probably shouldn't step out of that mold. You know, she was one of the first to do it. She's one of the best to ever do it. And so she's probably better suited to finding things in her lane. Now, that's easy to say now where we have 50,000 streaming services and you can just do some obscure show that, you know, 10,000 people watch and it's considered successful. That wasn't the case in 1983, 84. Um, you had to appeal to a mainstream audience. So Peter LaSalle didn't have that luxury to be like, well, you know, Joan, why don't you go, why don't we create this type of show for you? Cause that type of show didn't really exist. Um, Joan would later find her niche, which we'll probably talk about more towards the end, but I can understand the thought of like, is she going to fit every single night? Now ratings would dictate the audience didn't mind, but I think Peter LaSalle is looking at it from a, um, long-term perspective, not having someone on once a week, but having them on five nights a week. And uh, with Sally, as he says there, was goddamn fed up with it. <laughs> he had enough. Uh, so let's keep going. What do we got next? Well, we unfortunately have just one more Peter LaSalle. Oh, come on. I can't. <laughs> we don't have 40 minutes. Don't worry. It's All his right, longest clip so far. <laughs> Let's hear, let's hear what old Peter has to say. I'm going to wait because I don't want to be duped by him again. Uh, but let's maybe cut to the chase here, Pete. She did another thing that wasn't nice, which is when she got the Fox show, she assumed because we had been friends that I would quit Johnny and produce that show, which I she had never discussed with me. As a matter of fact, we were in negotiations to uh, renew her contract with The Tonight Show. And she called me the night before her press conference announcing The Fox Show to say, uh, could I meet with Barry Diller? Whatever salary I wanted, he would pay for it. but I had to be at that press conference announcing. And I said, I have no intention of either being at the press conference or having a meeting with Barry Diller. Uh, I wanted to stay with Johnny until the end. And that got very ugly. Now, she's flat out said Johnny is lying about this. Um, 
there were, I think, again, this is, uh, was from Bushkin's book, but there were, you know, kind of rumors that he wanted to go with Joan and he was in the doghouse with Carson for a long time because of that. Cause Johnny believed that to be true. So again, we have to analyze, is that, uh, sour grapes from old Pete. And he kind of built that as his, uh, you know, his alibi or his story to save his own ass. And then, you know, 30 years later, he's still kind of saying that. Or um, did Joan try to poach him? And he said, no, I have no interest in going. That we'll never really know. Um, I do find it odd if that's true. If that is true, then Joan certainly isn't as innocent as she portrayed. If she does not tell Johnny about this Fox show and goes to Peter LaSalle and says, hey, are you coming with me? Let's keep it a secret. But will you, will you go with me? Then I think Joan is very much to blame. And there's much more, uh, you know, uh, sinister behavior going on behind the scenes where she legitimately was trying to take Johnny down. And it wasn't some friendly like, ah, come on, John, I'll gladly finish second. Will you give me your <laughs> blessing? She, I think she was, was gunning for him a little bit and uh, maybe more than she acknowledges. And she should be, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a guy can, you know, help you build your career and you can still try to surpass him or, you know, recreate what he's done. I don't think that's, necessarily the worst thing in the world. Um, but one of them is not being honest as to how that went down, either uh, old Pete or Joan. And I feel like someone who takes as long to get to his points as Peter LaSalle does has to be telling the truth. You wouldn't waste that much time lying. I don't think. <laughs> Imagine uh, like halfway through, you're like, man, this isn't even usable. Like the people interviewing him. <laughs> Let's just, you know what? Let's wrap this up. <laughs> Peter, you've wasted our time. So we got a craft services. <laughs> um, what do we got now? Uh, Johnny's son died. So this was uh, this was very sad, but it's also another, it's another strange story. Um, so this is after the whole fiasco. We're kind of jumping around the timeline a little bit, but uh, this is after Joan had left uh, for Fox. Uh, Johnny's son died. Uh, drove off. I want to say the Golden Gate Bridge, if memory serves me. But um, he died in uh, some kind of horrible uh, car accident slash, uh, you know, drug-induced incident. Um, and Johnny was very broken up about it. Now, now, people would also say Johnny didn't speak to his kids that often, was not a very attentive father, was not very close to them. Um, and they almost throw that out as like, he was, probably wasn't even really sad, <laughs> which I don't believe because I think – if you're not close to your kids, then a lot of your demons probably come up and you think, ah, oh, fuck, what are, you're kicking yourself. Um, so it can almost be more painful from that perspective. Um, but regardless, uh, Johnny's son passed away tragically. And this was the next attempt for Joan to try and um, patch things up with Johnny. We had this big falling out. And I went off to Fox and they, when uh, his son died, in the, I wrote him a note and I said, I don't care what's happened between us, what you think's happened between us, but this should, happen to, this should not happen to anybody, anybody. Never heard a word. I thought, I did the same thing. You? I did the same thing. I did the same thing. And I got not a response from him, but a response from, I don't, some assistant secretary somewhere to say thank you for the call 
That's, uh, was I gratified? No. Uh, you know, was I happy I even called him? No. I She's, wasn't even happy I called. That's a, such a horrible sentiment mm -hmm. to me. So that's uh, Henry Bushkin, by the way, the lawyer that I referred to. And uh, if I didn't explain it enough, Henry Bushkin was Carson's lawyer forever. They kind of ran uh, the business behind the Tonight Show together. And as we talked about, Johnny's a very private, uh, introverted, you know, almost recluse of a, of a man, particularly in his post-Tonight Show days. So very private guy, didn't like a lot of his uh, dirty laundry being out there. Henry Bushkin wrote a tell-all book specifically about Johnny Carson. It wasn't like, hey, here's the wildlife of Henry Bushkin, and I brushed elbows with Johnny Carson. The book was, here's everything I know about Johnny Carson, essentially. <laughs> so I think he's a true dirtbag, sleazeball lawyer. Um, and I think that clip kind of proves it. So Joan has more of an axe to grind with all that, but I don't think she sounds great in that clip either. I think it's pretty horrible to judge someone's reaction if you say, yeah, I reached out when his son died and he didn't even get back to me. Body was still warm and he didn't talk to me. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that he might have had other things on his mind at that time. <laughs> so I think that's a horrible clip. And then when you say Henry, Bu hear Henry Bushkin say, I wonder if I, I didn't even want it. I wish I never did it. Right. It's like, so that's what you were reaching out to him for? The, oh, Bushy, thank you so much. Don't even worry about it. Who cares about that kid? Let's you and I uh, rekindle. Johnny, will you still be my friend? <laughs> it's, a, it's a sickening sentiment to me. It, it enraged me just hearing it again. Um, so that's the kind of thing I didn't like where Johnny became this figure and there are some parallels to Stern who Johnny, Johnny never... Johnny didn't stay in the Tonight Show long enough to become a joke. Like, when he went out, he was more or less still on top. Uh, I know Arsenio kind of, you know, started digging into his audience a little bit. But Johnny was still more or less, um, you know, considered cool and, and, and part of pop culture and everything when he left. At least, you know, a couple of years before he left at the, at the, at the worst. Um, but I do think there are parallels to Stern, who has completely lost anything cool about him. But a lot of the shots taken at Stern are by guys like Stuttering John, where, uh, you know, I'll go on WATP every now and then, and they'll bring up Stuttering John. And I have been on, so put it this way, I've been on Who Are These Podcasts with the lovely Carl uh, four times now, I think. They've each been over a month apart. And every time Carl will play me a clip where stuttering John is talking about Howard Stern and just trashing the guy. And Carl even sent me uh, as like, you know, prep for one of the episodes I was on. Carl sent me a whole hour of stuttering John, just bashing about just bashing Stern and talking about the old Stern days. So I do think Johnny was at that level where he kind of had these hangers on where that became their life was being part of that show to the point where Henry Bushkin wrote a book, not about his life, but about the tonight show and controversies surrounding it. So while I do think there is some, you know, darkness that we didn't know about at the time with Johnny Carson. And I think there's certainly some, uh, some tawdry stories out there. 
and maybe some salacious gossip. But Johnny did also have a lot of people that, um, you know, that was their life. And so when it went away or when he cut them off from it, they didn't have anything anymore. So now what they had is bashing Johnny. Now, Joan obviously had a hell of a lot more. She had a fruitful career and is genuinely just bitter that she lost a, a friend and a mentor, I think. Um, but I just wanted to say that about Henry Bushkin, who I think was a real uh, horrible asshole. <laughs> he does not come across well. I hope his name is Henry Bushkin. I keep thinking in the back of my mind, I keep thinking it's Harry Bushkin, but I'm pretty sure it's Henry. Uh, anyways, what's the uh, what's the next clip? Uh, we have Johnny's personality. It's an audio clip. Oh, yeah. So this kind of goes with what we were saying, where Johnny's an introverted guy. How dare he have an assistant say, hey, Johnny appreciates it. You know, before the uh, before the funeral, Johnny may not have been ready to talk about his kid dying. Um, but this is kind of him explaining where, you know, a lot of people took it as he was a real heartless asshole. And that may very well been the case. Enough people have said it that I'm inclined to believe it. But this is also an element that I believe. And, you know, I to a, a, a far, far less, you know, one millionth of one percent of the extent. But I can relate to this where uh, I've had people think I'm, you know, uh, I think I'm like above them or I'm like looking down at them in some way. And the reality is I'm just, I don't like make, I don't make eye contact with people. I don't like being in social situations and I'm just a weirdo. So this is Johnny kind of explaining that from his angle. You think I'm a shy person. I mean, some may first sound strange, but I am inside. When you're young, people call that being standoffish or being conceited. They don't understand that you're uncomfortable. So I got, I probably hide a lot of that. Uh, personally, but that doesn't mean that you're hostile, that you're, you're cold and... Ed McMahon says, uh, Carson packs a tight suitcase. I read that. I guess that means you keep your emotions and your personal feelings sometimes under check, and that's true. He said you have difficulty showing your emotions. Probably, yeah. Probably true. I think I'm better at it now than I was. So that's... Uh, for a guy like Carson, who people said kind of... A, never really acknowledged his uh, demons and would would I will say the ability to cut someone off entirely like the ability to hang up on Joan Rivers and never speak to her or address her again that is heartless to some extent mm. but I do think that it, part of it comes from a place of being a standoffish introverted weirdo the way you kind of heard him describe there and I think that that's you know, while it's not uh, incredibly philosophical or anything, that is slightly deeper than I would expect someone like Carson to get, especially back in the day where, you know, you were a pussy if you went to therapy, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, you know, that's more that's more diving into your true personality than I would have expected a guy like uh, Carson to do. Uh, but let's keep going here. This is probably because Peter LaSalle, we're going longer than I expected. So let's start <laughs> turning through these clips. Uh, this is Boys Club. Yeah, so I, this is a little of Joan just talking about what, what I've addressed a little bit before, but let's hear her perspective. Uh, my numbers were amazing compared to his. And uh, they never, they didn't even invite me the first two years to the like, cast party or the Christmas party. Yeah, he felt very, I was always very hurt, very hurt. Uh, and then we were trying to get my contract renewed and they were just, I guess they just figured, where's she going? And they didn't renew it. And that's when Fox came to me. 
Yeah, and I, I think there's something to that, but I also think there's something to listen. If you hear the way she talks about her ratings, she goes, my ratings were amazing compared to his. That's to make the Howard Stern comparison again. And I hate to do this because Joan is genuinely a legend. Like she carved out her own career completely and was incredibly successful. So I'm not comparing her to Stuttering John. It's just the best example I have uh, in my back pocket here. But uh, if you hear Stuttering John talk about the old Stern days, um, he'll, he'll, he'll say things like, uh, you know, it was, it was Howard and Robin and Fred and me. Like he'll put himself on that level. Uh, and he basically, he thinks the Howard Stern show was successful in large part to stuttering John, where the reality is they would have found some other asshole with, you know, a different, uh, um, you know, disability or whatever to ask celebrities questions. And the Howard Stern show probably would have been fine. So the only comparison I'm making, again, Joan, a lot funnier than Stuttering John, but the only comparison I'm making is her saying, like, my ratings were phenomenal compared to his. Well, it sounds like you're not acknowledging that a lot of that still has to do with Johnny. No kidding. You know, people are still turning on The Tonight Show because it's Johnny Carson's Tonight Show, not because, ooh, I heard Joan Rivers is guest hosting, you know? Um, So there's a little bit of that in Joan, which, again, I can understand. Because if someone just cuts you off like that, that builds and builds and builds. This is not what she was saying in 1985. You know, this is what she's saying in 2005 after it's built for 20 years, where eventually she's just like, this guy's still not calling me back. Fuck him. Pilot I think by 2005 he was dead, but you get my point. Uh, all right. What's next? Book dedication. Yeah, so this was um, this is a clip of her on The Tonight Show. And um, well, let's, just, uh, let's just hear it and we'll talk about it. Are you sentimental about things? I'm very sentimental. Look at the dedication of the book. I know. It's, it's very sweet of you. Yeah. It was very sweet of you. It's, you talk about you sentiment. didn't have to do that. But it's two. Says, uh, you touch, you touch your baby and then you have a dedication. Can I read it? Sure. Says to Edgar, your husband. Yeah, I have made, to do that. Who made this book happen. <laughs> who made this book happen. And to Johnny Carson, who made it all happen. Yeah. Well, that's very sweet of you. That's right. Of course, I didn't make it all happen. Oh, yes, you yeah. did. We can, I can only take credit for, for putting you on the show, but I did say one thing that night, which I have seldom said on this show over the years. You finished your routine, and you were devastating, and the audience was just falling apart, and you walked over and sat down, and I said, you know, you're going to be a big star. I remember. And that's something you don't say, because it always sounds like, you know, you're just... And I looked behind me. I couldn't believe you were talking to me. Yeah. And so that shows, I think, what their relationship meant to each other a little bit. Right. But the thing I find interesting about that sentiment, like her dedicating the book to him and him, you know, kind of being honored by that. I think that's sort of where the, Hey, thanks for giving me my start ends. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think like Joan literally dedicated her book to him and said, you made my life happen. And even in the, when she's talking to him about it, it says you're more important than my husband. He's like, yeah, I have to put that asshole in there. Like you're very important to me. I think that's kind of where that ends. She certainly acknowledged it. So she doesn't owe him more than that, I don't think. Like, she doesn't now owe him not taking $15 million to host a competing show. Does that make sense? Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I think also, if you do respect this guy so much, I think you call him before the deal is officially made. 
So I, I'm I'm still as as we go through here, I'm still torn on where exactly I stand with these two because I I think there should have been some common ground where Johnny certainly should have been pissed at her probably, but the idea that he never spoke to her again and it clearly meant so much to her, um, that's extraordinarily harsh. Like that's a harshness that I don't think a lot of people have where even, even some of the blackest hearts, if you, if you answer the phone, the ball is to hang up right away. You know, if Joan calls you, I'll at least pretend like, ah, geez, I didn't see a call before. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you've trapped me. So I have to be somewhat polite to you. Right. That's a, uh, it's a coldness. I can't even imagine that Johnny has. Yeah. I don't, I can't do that unless you like really do something to like a family member or something like that. Not just it's take tough. a job. <laughs> yes. It, it, uh, it's also tough not to acknowledge that. Like if they never spoke to each other, but Johnny was kind of doing bits like fuck Joan sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Then that's, that's at least acknowledging her to completely like just wipe her like as if she never happened, wiped away. That's pretty, that's a very interesting mindset to me. Um, all right, let's keep going. Uh, Fox cancels the show. Yeah. So the show is apparently a, actually I think that I was about to say it was a disaster. I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, there may have been some other reasons at hand because, uh, at least early on, Joan was kind of doing decent numbers. She was finishing second, but I think that's a lot better than people expected. Like the, and Fox's goal was probably, um, you know, just taking a chunk of Johnny's audience. So the real trouble was, I guess her husband, Edgar, who was, uh, integral in this whole process. And, um, uh, well, let's just hear why the, uh, the show eventually came to an end. They did was, and it was Edgar's fault too. They wanted complete control. Edgar wanted complete control. Uh, Edgar hated Barry Diller. Barry Diller hated Edgar. And at the very end, uh, which I talk about in my, my show, uh, we had a meeting on a Thursday night when things were really bad. And they said to me, you can stay, your husband goes. I had a Sophie's choice. I was told I could stay. And I said, I go with my husband, thinking they'll never allow it. And they said, then tomorrow night, tomorrow night is your last show. And it was. It was terrible, terrible. And it was nothing about ratings. The ratings, we made the money from day one. It was about Edgar and Barry Dilla. Hit the bricks, you broad. That's what they said to poor old Joan back then. So the only, uh, I, I shouldn't have said it was a disaster because it sounds like it really wasn't. But the only reason I question how good the ratings really were is because if it's really a monster that's taken that much of the Tonight Show's audience away, you're figuring out a way for it to work. Or at the very least, you're not saying like, all right, tomorrow's your last show. See you later. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're a brand new network, you know, like I just, I just find that hard to believe that her ratings were killing it. Uh, but I do think they were good. Now the problem is Joan was not in a, what they should have been doing. Cause I think Joan's comedy is probably more targeted to women is found a show that was more targeted to women. That was exactly that. Um, and maybe based on the content it was, but if you're going up against Carson, you have to think of much broader appeal because everyone watched Johnny, you know, Johnny appealed to everybody. 
So, uh, or I mean, at the end, they say he wasn't really appealing to the kids, but you see my point. Um, so, I, I think the next clip is about old uh, old Edgar. Is it, am I wrong about that? Yes. Um. So uh, Edgar did not take this well. Uh. <laughs> so a few months went by, and uh, they they had also separated. By the way, like you hear Joan, she was loyal to him in that regard. But, you know, there was some uh, extramarital affairs going on. Uh, Edgar was also very sick. He, he uh, got very sick not long after this. Um, so let's hear what happened to the poor old bastard. Especially, I know the red light's on, so I have to hurry. To my daughter, Melissa, because uh, the last two years have been very difficult. Two years ago, I couldn't get a job in this business. I could not get a job. My income dropped to one sixteenth of what it was before... I was fired, and people said I wouldn't work again, and my husband, as you know, had a breakdown. It's it's so sad that he's not here because it was my husband, Edgar Rosenberg, who always said, you can turn things around, and except for one terrible moment in a hotel in Philadelphia when he forgot that, this is really him because he was with me from the beginning, and I'm so sorry. So if you couldn't figure out from context, obviously, uh, Edgar took his own life, unfortunately, which I also like the 80s where they're like, he had a breakdown. You know, he had a bit of an incident. (laughs) (laughs) He had a case of the gloomies. (laughs) He wasn't feeling so hot. Uh, But yeah, Edgar took his own life. Like I said, there's a lot of things at play there. And, you know, depression is not a, uh, uh, well, one thing happened. So so suicide happens next. Uh, There's obviously a lot of things going on. And you can hear that uh, weighed heavily on Joan. But where she is when she's telling that story is on her new daytime talk show. So um, the the late night show ended. And like I said, I think they figured out, oh, Joan might be better suited to, you know, maybe the housewives that are uh, sitting around at home waiting for the husbands to get home. Maybe Joan's more that type of audience, which I think she certainly was. And so her talk show was pretty successful. Won some Emmys. It was on for five years, I believe. Um, So things started to pick up a little bit. She was persona non grata after the Fox thing. She had, you know, she's the woman who not only betrayed Johnny Carson, but then had an issue with Fox. So that's two networks now that won't deal with her. And, uh, you know, she had a long time of uh, working her way back. And when I say a long time, it's years. Um, So in the grand scope of history, it wasn't crazy long. But if you're in that, if you're in a position where you've ruined your relationship with The Tonight Show, which built you, um, you've ruined your relationship with Fox because you told him to pound sand with your new talk show, you've separated from your husband, your husband then kills himself. You have a, I think, two-year-old. I forget how old Melissa was at the time but a, a young child. So it feels like your world's falling apart. So she was able to, through all that, uh, kind of rebuild her career a little bit. So hats off to Joan Rivers for making it out on the other side of that one. Um, but let's, uh, let's hear what's next. Carson's last show. Yeah. So um, Joan wasn't invited back for anything, which we'll also talk about like the 40 year reunion when Leno took over. Um, uh, not reunion, but uh, anniversary rather. Yeah, that's nice. But this is yeah, this is uh, this is them talking about Carson's last show. I think this is Joan talking to Stern, maybe if I'm guessing right. Who knows? We'll find out. Carson, as you know, is going off this week, and I, was uh, I wasn't asked 
Uh, here I go. I wasn't asked to come on and say goodbye. I wasn't asked in any way, shape, or form to be part of that with NBC, even though we did call. Through the years, as I said, the Carson Jet was very kind to me. I left it at the end of my contract when a list had come out saying the 10 replacements were all going to be men indeed. As it turned out, it was Jay Leno. So I wasn't wrong. That had been slipped to me. I met my husband. Carson knew my husband, Edgar, and introduced us. The show changed my life. I am totally grateful. I wouldn't be wearing this watch. I wouldn't be wearing this charm bracelet. I wouldn't be having this show without it. So I wish Carson good luck. I don't wish him anything bad. He doesn't like me. Too bad. I do like him. Hold it together, Joan. Come on. Enough with the waterworks. <laughs> um, but you can tell, like, this This really... Bugs the uh, shit out of her. <laughs> it, it really bugs the shit out of her. Um, to the point where... So Carson says goodbye, and now Joan's probably thinking, well, at least I can get back on the Tonight Show. Uh, but as we talked about in the prior episode, Jay Leno, who is taking over, is a, uh, a people pleaser. And he doesn't want to rock the boat. He doesn't want to piss anyone off. So what Jay said when he took over was, hey, out of respect to Johnny, um, Johnny has banned Joan Rivers. So... I'm not going to lift that. It's not up to me to lift that ban. She's been banned from the Tonight Show, and I'm going to uphold that ban. So Joan would really rip into fucking Leno. She would call him an asshole, and a fuck. she would. She hated fucking Leno, which I think kind of makes sense because Leno doesn't have a dog in the fight. No, and Letterman was a an extremely loyal Carson guy, um, and Letterman ended up having Joan Rivers on eventually, and being friendly with Joan. So. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me why Jay would uphold that ban, but now this is uh, her talking to Howard Stern, I believe, about um, the 40th anniversary of the Tonight Show. So, Tonight Show had been on for 40 years. Johnny was 29 or 30 of them, I think, and even 30, if I remember right. Um, so uh, maybe even, goddamn, was it longer than that, possibly? Uh, nah, we'll do our research. We'll have it in the corrections department next week, folks. <laughs> but this is Joan talking about the 40th anniversary. And later, America joins Jay Leno to celebrate The Tonight Show's 40th anniversary. Be there for the historic premiere of the new Tonight Show set. Are you invited to the 40th anniversary of The Tonight Show? They pretend it never happened. It's like Russia. Yeah. No! You're not invited? No, of course not. Shocking. Steve Allen, 100 years old, is invited. When they had the vinyl show, they didn't put me on. You know that. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, it's so stupid. It doesn't it's ridiculous. Happen. Yeah. Yeah, so very strange that Leno wouldn't even have her on for that. Um, but I think it was kind of a thing where, as at least as long as Johnny's alive, um, they weren't going to have her on. And then after Carson died, it was interesting because Jones said, you know, even if, if they invite me on Leno's Tonight Show, I don't need them anymore. Like, I don't need the Tonight Show. Is there anyone watching the Tonight Show who doesn't know who Joan Rivers is by that point? So fuck them. I've built myself up. They told me no forever when I wanted to come back. So now I'm kind of telling them no. Um, she would eventually do Jimmy Fallon. Uh, she liked Fallon, I guess. Fallon invited her on for his first show. She made a brief appearance. And then I think a month later um, came on as like a guest, like to do panel. And it's kind of nice because so she went on Fallon's Tonight Show. Uh, the year she died, she passed away in September of 2014. And I think she was on in February of that year. 
So thank God she got in right under the wire. She made her big return back to the tonight show. Um, Also, if you go watch Jones like documentary and there's a story about how she died on the operating table. Very sad. Uh, you know, truly sad for a, a legend to go like that or anyone, I guess, but you know, especially someone that's funny, but uh, <laughs> she got, she got in under the wire and uh, she made it back to the tonight show eventually. But what else do we have for clips? It's our last one. Johnny's grave. So this is brutally sad. Um, so, well, let's play the clip first and then I'll, I'll tell you a little more about it. Did you do something wild and visit the grave of Johnny Carson? Yeah. Did you go to Johnny Carson's grave because it was a yeah. good thing to do for television? No. Or did you uh, really feel like you needed to go there? Oh, uh, it, it's come up again. I don't know. Oh, because they did this stupid uh, documentary on him. Right. So suddenly the whole thing is coming up again. So coming stupid. Up again. Stupid. And uh, uh, <laughs> and you get very angry. At one point, somebody called me. And again, they're saying like, uh, uh I didn't really call him. All the lies are back. And I got so angry. Johnny's an asshole. Why yeah. do you care about visiting <laughs> his I'm, grave? So I said, I'm going to his grave. You know, I'm going to go and dance on his grave. Oh. We have oh. just gotten great numbers for, for Joan and Melissa. And we've gotten great numbers on his fashion. You know, it's like, fuck you. I'm going to go dance in his grave. So the, of course, the reality show is right with you. Right. So I go to the grave and I got, it's one of the episodes. I don't know which episode. I got so upset. You did? Really? Yeah. What happened? You cried? Yeah. I saw the episode. I saw the uh, the cut the other day. I guess I get it. I mean, oh, Johnny Howard, really gave you, know, you your big break. Big break, and you I know. adored him. And I don't. I still to so this mean day. To you. Why? My favorite part of that clip, by the way, is uh, Joan saying, I'm, "I was going to go to his grave," and Howard going, "Why?" And she goes, I was going to dance on it. And Howard and Robin both go, oh, okay. (laughs) Two true assholes. (laughs) And Howard, like Joan, as we've gone through, has a legitimate reason to have held a grudge with Carson for so long. Howard hated Carson out of jealousy. He just wanted to be Carson. Um, And he he never had that acceptance until he was all washed up. So Howard had a real bitterness towards Carson that kind of came from nowhere. But Joan obviously had a true gripe. And was kind of going to say, like, hey, fuck you, Johnny. And then, you know, when she got there, realized, like, no matter what I think of this guy, he did a lot for me. And there's a chance I wouldn't be, especially in that time. You know, now you can say um, there's so many venues for people to get their voice out there that maybe it would have happened eventually. Like if you get famous now, whether it was on this platform or that platform, you hopefully would have found your way. In the 1960s, especially for women, you could legitimately make the argument that if it wasn't for Johnny Carson, we wouldn't know Joan Rivers' name. Um, Because, you know, where else? I mean, you could say maybe she'd pop up on like the Dean Martin roasts or something like that, but there's very limited options for someone like Joan to have gotten famous um, at that time. So you have to be thankful at the end, no matter what he did to you, you have to be thankful for Carson um, at least helping you make your career. And I think that all hit her when she went to the grave, the video, um, the quality that was on YouTube wasn't great, but if you do go watch that reality show, the clip from the reality show on the E network, I believe, um, it's sad because you just see how like she went there with one intention and then just completely broke down. She was like, ah, fuck, I can't do this. Um, so 
In the end, like I said, Joan had a, an amazing career. She was on every red carpet bashing celebrities and how they dressed. Um, she was a staple of the E! Network. She pretty much was that channel for a period of time. Uh, she was so famous that she made her daughter famous, like Melissa Rivers, mm. has a career because of Joan Rivers. Um, so at the end of the day, it all worked out for Joan, I would say. But it is sad that there was never a resolution to the end of that. Like, you know, it's it, the reason I want to talk about this particular story is because you could break it down. And I just spent basically an hour and a half telling you about one phone call. So <laughs> I, maybe, I, maybe I dragged it out a little bit. But the reason it's so compelling to me is because I think it's just a message that like, you know, if you hold on to certain things that it's just going to sit with you forever, you're never going to get to resolve them as much as maybe you think someday you will. Um, so it's an interesting lesson about life, I suppose. And what a curmudgeon Johnny Carson was. That's the other Seriously, interesting takeaway yeah. from it. This is the big takeaway. Yeah. So someday we'll do a, a deep dive on what an asshole Henry Bushkin is, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for another day. I think you heard it in that clip. And it is Henry so, Bushkin. I looked it up. Thank God. That would have been so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> if I said, I, cause I said Henry a good 200 times. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, everybody. Like I said, go to blindmike.net. That's where you can find our Patreon. You get why are you laughing episodes a week early, as well as I should say this more often. Um, because the aforementioned, who are these podcasts? Uh, you know, most of our listeners obviously come from the Kirk Minahan show, but we have at least one from who are these podcasts? We got a few. And actually. He's, he, he's, uh, well, this one subscribed to the Patreon and, uh, he reached out to me and said, Mike, love why you laughing to the point that, uh, I've done a deep dive on it. I listen to every episode and I said, you know what? I need the episodes a week early. I got to go to Patreon. And then he goes, when I went to Patreon, I watched the blind Mike project and what the fuck is like, what is this? I don't understand any of it. I thought I was going to get more. Why are you laughing? So I should alert people. If you want, why are you laughing episodes a week early subscribe uh, at the $10 level or above and you'll get those and you can subscribe to any level to get all the bonus content that we do like the blind Mike project and uh, the Quincy watch along that we're in the middle of right now and uh, more on money and whatever nonsense we do back there. So subscribe to the Patreon or if that's too rich for your blood, support the show for free. You can find ways to do all of that on blindmike.net. And uh, for the Craigster, you can go do the same for his, all of his programs on uh, verygoodshow.org. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. Thank you. All righty. That's it, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week on another episode of Why Are You Laughing?